Good morning, everyone. Can you guys hear me out there? Not yet. Good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. If you could start making your way back to where you will be sitting slash standing, <coughs> we want to invite you guys to stand with us this morning as we worship. Making their way. Thank you. <coughs> so I just wanted to encourage us this morning as we step into worship, um, just really taking this time to lay down, whether it's like the anxieties of your week or um, maybe sin that easily ensnares you, that we would just lay it down at the foot of the cross and just press into what he has for us this morning. And um, just as we sing out these truths that he's our living hope that we get to set our eyes on and um, that, that we just really need him. And so I just want to encourage us all to just sing it from our hearts and um, just focus our eyes and our gaze on him this morning. So. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for just the ability to worship together, to come together and hear your word, Lord. I pray that you would just anoint this time, Lord, that you would quiet our hearts, that you would quiet our minds to just focus on what you have for us this morning, and that it would be a joyful noise unto you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, the pamphlet that you have in your hands are not in the order that we're singing. We want to mix you up a little bit now. Um, but we're starting with Lord, I need you. And then we'll sing how great or excuse me, how deep the Father's love for us, then the stand. So just so you kind of got the order there. So let's sing together. Sorry, the stand is second. There we go. Thank you. 
of your cross, Lord. You paid the debt that we could never pay, Lord. We just thank you so much for that amazing free gift, Lord, that um, it doesn't matter where you are or where you came from or, Lord, you just, you bled and died and rose again for us, Lord, because of the love that was set before you, Lord. You endured the cross. We thank you for that, Lord, and um, we pray for your word that's about to go forth, Lord, that you would just convict us where we need conviction, that you would encourage us where we need encouragement and that we would just press into what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Kind of get you woken up a little bit here this morning, get you going. Hey, uh, welcome. If uh, I haven't met you yet, my name is Jesse. I'm part of uh, just a tremendous team here uh, that has really rallied over the last few months to 
continue to make these services and gatherings available to you. Uh, if you are new, we want to definitely connect with you. We want to get to know you. Uh, I've put myself out there uh, that you can contact the office and get a hold of me, and uh, we can sit down and have a conversation. A few of you have done that already. You can continue to do that. Uh, I'm actually gone next week, so uh, that won't be a good week for me, but we do want to get to know you. And then also, uh, we have a pretty good digital presence. We're very active on all the social media sites, so you can find all the information about us in, in one of those deals there, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all of that. And then um, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, we send one out every week, tells you what we're doing, uh, what we're all about, uh, has some devotions on there and things like that. You can find that on the website. So if you go to sbctrucky.com on your device, uh, near the bottom of the page, you can sign up for our newsletter or uh, there, there is bulletins in the back, and in there is a Connect card. You can fill that out, and uh, we will make sure you get those newsletters. And I just want to make you aware of a couple things. Number one, uh, let me just give you kind of a big picture of where we're at right now. Uh, obviously, the temperature is starting to drop a little bit. Uh, you're probably pretty comfortable right now, yeah? But not too hot, not too cold, uh, depending on how much body fat you have. I feel, I feel just fine, feel really very comfortable. Um, but... Uh, we are, right now, we're kind of committed to doing this outside uh, up until the end of October, pending on weather, and, and then we are strategizing on when the temperature drops, on going inside. On our Instagram page uh, soon, I don't know when um, Sarah's going to launch uh, a survey, but we want to kind of ask you what service you would want to go to, uh, because we're looking at going back inside, going to two services, possibly even three, uh, and so we just would love to kind of know where you're at with that what service you would want to attend, uh, and, and just to hear from you. Because everyone's all over the board. Obviously, being outside is one thing. Moving inside is another. But we do believe that we need to continue to gather, and we need to continue to preach God's Word, and we need to continue to glorify Him. And so uh, we're committed to doing that. And then a couple other things. John Drollinger, he's going to be giving you an intro to uh, Timothy next week. And then we'll dive into the book of Timothy. There's some books available in the back for that if you want to journal along in a little ESV journal. Uh, and then John is also, in addition to that, starting October 9th, Friday mornings for you dudes. Uh, Friday morning, he's starting basically like a leadership class. So if you want to know what it's like to be a leader, you want to be developed, you want to grow in discipleship, you want to mature. If you're a new Christian, all of those things would be, uh, this would be a great opportunity for you. And that's going to be Friday, starting October 9th. October 1st, uh, we're launching a prayer and worship evening that's going to be on Thursdays here at 6 p.m. So if you're a prayer warrior and you want to pray and you want to ask for God to intervene and you want to ask the Lord to do something miraculous in our church and our community, we want to invite you to that. Mick Dero is going to be leading that along with a couple other really awesome gals. And uh, so I want to encourage you there. And then all kinds of Bible studies are going on, uh, home groups and, and fellowship. All, there's just so much going on right now. And uh, Awana has started back up. And the kids loved it. It was a great success. So we're, we're gearing in, and people are thankful for it, and people are showing up, and God's doing a great thing, so we celebrate that. Um, and, uh, and then also I mentioned something about Foster this year, is I think Michaela is going to share a little something with you this morning. You ready for that, Michaela? So if I make sure one of uh, this mic here is hot, and um, Michaela's going to share with you. Everyone say, hello, Michaela. that has been called through our life to be able to 
encourage others and support others who are interested in foster care, adoption, or kinship care, which is caring for relatives in their home. Um, and to be able to do that under the umbrella of this church, but also in the community at large in Truckee. Um, and God has blessed it, and he has given us opportunity to grow at this point as of today. There are 15 children in our community that, I, that we're aware of that are part of Foster the Sierras um, that are in one of those camps of um, being supported by you all and by our community. So with that, um, we hold monthly meetings to be able to get together and to talk about some of the issues that come up when you're in this sort of a um, life. Um, the next monthly meeting will be this upcoming Friday, which is um, going to be at our house. And come reach out to me, and I can give you information on that. If you're just curious about it, I always am happy to grab um, a cup of coffee, take a walk, meet up with people one-on-one -on -one that are like, eh, I don't know if I'm quite up for the Friday meetups. But I'm happy to talk to anybody and make a date. My husband is as well. so. Uh, please look for me for that. Um, and one of the things that we do in this ministry is that we provide all sorts of supplies. When people have babies and get pregnant, they have baby showers, they start saving, they, do a sh they shop for a crib, they shop for a car seat, they have everything um, in their possession when the time comes. In foster care, you literally, one day, you are living your life the way you know it, and the next day you have a child under your roof. A child that needs a crib, that needs a car seat, that needs a high chair, that maybe needs some adaptive equipment or something else that isn't maybe part of the budget that month. And Foster the Sierras has been awesome to be able to provide that for so many families. Jesse mentioned last week we have a golf tournament that happens to support this ministry. And this year God said no to that and closed the doors, which I know he's got something greater and better. Um, and so I'm reaching out to you to help our, us be able to meet the needs financially for some of these families. Um, to be able to purchase some of those things, support them in many different ways. Um, as far as that's concerned, you can, in the response card, put a note um, on your check that says Foster the Sierras. You can give online. There's a drop down that says Foster the Sierras and whatnot. I covet your prayers. There is um, a battle going on, and there are children's lives that um, need to hear about Jesus. You know, this goes hand in hand with our passion to be able to go to these abortion clinics and show Jesus's love. This is a place to be able to show Jesus's love to children that are in a place where they're not being cared for. We need to be praying that in the midst of all of this distance learning that is such a blessing to so many families, that these children that don't have teachers that are keeping eyes on them and other people that are there to see them, that um, it would be clear if they are in unsafe homes and that these children would be safe and to be cared for. Um, I know that uh, our God is bigger than all of what is going on in these children's lives. Um, we, need, we need child care, you guys. We can't do this without you. We go to monthly meetings for these parents to get together and talk about sensitive subjects, that it's not always appropriate to have all of our kiddos around us when we're talking. I need people to be able to help us one time a month um, to be able to help watch our kiddos so that we can have some of these discussions and bring as we bring in guest speakers and whatnot. Um, the heart of a lot of these parents has been, can we create some sort of network for childcare so that these parents can have date nights and to be able to feel filled up to be able to do the job at hand. So again, there's comment cards. Feel free to say, hey, I'm, I'm interested. I want to talk to you about childcare. Um, prayer is priceless if you want to give financially please do that with a note of Foster This Year's on that. And I thank you guys so much for teaming up and being part of this family and community. Thank you.
So James actually says pure religion, religion that is undefiled. That is to say not just religion, but what it means to be saved by grace and to be a people of grace uh, is to help the, the orphan and the widow. And so this is a ministry, I, this, is, this is true true relationship with Jesus is to support something like this. So uh, I want to encourage you to help out and uh, assist, and Michaela will be avail- available for you after service. Turn to um, Exodus chapter 40. So this is it. We are going to conclude Exodus after several months. We've been in this book where, where God has done an amazing work in the people's lives, and this is the climax of the story. And so uh, before I kind of tell a little bit of a story and, and get into the text uh, or, or get into breaking down the text this morning, uh, would you stand with me this morning if you can as we read just a few verses out of Exodus chapter 40? And again, we do this just to honor the Lord. We believe that uh, Scripture is God breathes, and we desire to uh, give it honor and respect and know that God wants to speak to us this morning. And I pray uh, that you're in that position, that this morning uh, you are open and willing to hear from God what God may want to say to you uh, and how he may want to assist and help and love on you this morning. So verse 1, chapter 40, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day, take note of this, first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony And you shall screen the ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange it. You shall bring in the lampstand and its lamps. You shall put the golden altar, for instance, before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. So in these verses, Moses, now the tent has been erected. The the tabernacle where God's presence is to be has been erected. And now Moses is putting on all the finishing touches. Jump to verse 16. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day. Take note, again, we're hearing the date in in which this occurs. This is literally the anniversary date of the people leaving uh, Egypt, coming out of slavery. Now jump down after, again, more detail of Moses putting the finishing touches on the tabernacle. Jump down to verse 34. Then the cloud, which is God's presence, covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the clouds settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all of their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out, but if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire in it by night, and the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. Lord, do a work in us that only you can do this morning. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so um, here, here's kind of big picture. Ultimately, God has brought Israel, the people of God, the Hebrews, out of Egypt uh, and into what they're moving towards now is into the promised land. God is bringing the people literally, uh, and these are true of us. When we think of why would I want a relationship with God, God is literally taking the people of Israel out of isolation out of sin and death, out of slavery. He's literally removing old ways and bringing them into a new way of life. He's, if you remember, we've used these words almost every single week. He's conforming his people into the image of God. He's, he's changing them to be like God is. Uh, tell you a story of my life so you kind of understand the impact. Uh, of why am I a pastor? How did I end up as a minister? Sometimes people ask that question because it wasn't something I ever really set out for. Uh, in fact, I, um, I moved around just a little bit, went to Sacramento, played football there for a little bit, then, uh, and then, and then I, I ended up moving back to Reno, working for my dad, going to school, taking classes, 
Uh, and, and the gym, for me, the gym has always been a big part of my life. It was a place that I started to connect with uh, father figures because my father figures in my life were, were really not always there. Uh, and and uh, in Reno, I got into uh, kind of the, the, the wrong right crowd, if you will. It was a crowd that, that loved lifting uh, and they loved bodybuilding. And I was in the gym one day and I was working out, and this is a true story. I know it's going to sound stupid to some of you and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Put myself out there. Uh, but a guy walked up to me and he just was shredded to the gills. I mean, he, he, he was just the epitome of what you would want a dude to look like in the 90s. It's changed now in the 2000s, but if you wanted a dude in the 90s, they had to be muscular, right? And uh, he walked up to me and he said, hey, man, have you ever considered bodybuilding? And I said, well, no, not, not really. I, I've, I've always kind of appreciated powerlifting and stuff. And he said, well, there's a show coming up in a couple months. I'd be willing to train you for this show. Uh, and so I got into bodybuilding. And, and ended up doing a show and, uh, and, and got into that world. And this is after growing up in a home without Christ, without Jesus. And, and then my mom became a Christian by the time I was around 12. And then Jesus was in my home. Uh, and then somewhere around that day uh, in age, at, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, man, I just turned my back on the Lord. And I was hanging out with some of the most beautiful people you could ever imagine. I had a group of friends that, that, that I thought were my friends, but man, I, I can tell you, I've never been uh, around a more toxic group of people. Uh, I don't know what it's like today. This is obviously years ago, 20 plus years ago that, that this was my uh, experience in life. But at that time, that bodybuilding group, very vain, very self-focused, very sexual in their interaction with one another, it was very, very toxic. Uh, and... I ended up drinking really heavily. I ended up partying very heavily. I ended up using uh, different kind of drugs that I shouldn't have probably put into my body at that time. And, and my overall mentality, my overall well-being, my, my overall feeling of, of, of just being, being a human, human at all just felt like I was degrading. It, it was like, it was like uh, if you will, my spiritual soul was just being undermined. I found myself more lonely even though I had friends with common uh, experiences. I found myself more depressed. I found myself more angry than I ever was at any point in my life. In fact, uh, I've been kicked out of several clubs for fighting and, and all of those things. That was kind of who I was before really surrendering my life to Jesus. And some of you know, we support, um, we support Travis uh, out of Mexico, and he supports, uh, to tie in with Michaela, he supports orphans uh, in Mexico. And he's building right now He's a guy I went to high school with. He's building right now a facility uh, to take care of babies in Mexico that their parents have left them somewhere else. I mean, it's an amazing thing that he's doing. Now, Travis grew up very much a similar household as I did, kind of broken, isolated. Uh, and he and I were buddies all through, um, all through college. In fact, we, we, used to say, we used to say to one another uh, when we would go out in, in Reno to the, to the clubs and stuff, we would say, well, we'll go out, we'll have a couple beers, and we'll hold each other accountable. It didn't work. <laughs> and then one day, Travis says to me, he says, hey, man, I'm going to San Diego. I'm leaving. Why? And he said, because I've got to go to this school of evangelism. God's doing something in my life. And I, and I was like, okay, there's a school down in, in San Diego I was aware of, and I ended up going. I knew that, that really Reno had nothing for me. Bodybuilding wasn't meeting my needs, and, and I was feeling uh, sad and lonely. In fact, to get into the school, you had to do an interview. Some of you know this story, so forgive me for repeating it, but, 
But this interview, here I am in northern Nevada, the school's in southern California, and I end up having to do this interview on the phone to basically convince the assistant director of the school that they should let me in the school. Uh, and, and again, another true story, I, I was hung over for the interview. Had I been in San Diego for the interview, there's no way they probably would have let me in the school. In fact, they probably would have pointed me towards some other rehabilitation facility. I mean, I was thrashed. I didn't feel good. I faked it over the phone. Uh, I, I moved down to San Diego. I've told the story. For those of you who know, I put everything in my four-door Geo Metro, and it's important for you to know that it was four-door because I, I had the upper-class Geo, not the lower-class. It was a four-door Geo Metro, uh, four cylinders of just pure horsepower, and I put everything I could in that thing. I put a TV in there. Uh, I put my clothing in there, and at the time, I put a Dreamcast. Some of you don't know what that is, but it's a, it's a video game console. That was what was important to me at the time. And I moved to San Diego. I had nowhere to live. I had nowhere to go. Uh, someone in the church here actually ended up saying, you can stay at my house uh, down in San Diego. So we stayed there for a little bit, me and Travis and, and another guy from Truckee. Uh, and then we, I entered into this journey of, of being drawn in. I was drawn out of northern Nevada, but I want you to understand uh, that really I was, I was drawn out of my own Egypt. I mean, Egypt was all over me. The world was all over me. The mentality of the world was all over me, and I was experiencing its effects. Uh, and God drew me out, and then he drew me into San Diego, and I went through the school, and when I graduated, they asked me to come on staff as an intern, and then the rest is history. I've become a pastor. I want you to understand something, that, that, that the, world, the world is constantly trying to draw you into isolation and away from God. The message is there everywhere that you turn. This is the story of Exodus. It's not just about physically leaving Egypt as much as it is spiritually leaving Egypt. I mean, think of the culture. Think of all the messages that you have around you, okay? Like I said, we're on social media, so, so I understand a little bit of how social media works and how the internet works. I mean, I mean it, there's a good chance right now that because I'm saying things about working out and bodybuilding, that if you turn on your phone in the next 20 minutes, uh, somebody's going to be trying to sell you something bodybuilding-oriented on your phone. Have you not experienced that? Your phone is listening to you, I promise. And, and, and here, here's, here's some of the things that you hear, things that have occurred. These are just some marketing ploys that are out there. What is, what is Nike's thing, like forever and ever? What's their thing? Just do it. it don't think about the consequences, man. You, you can do it. Just do it. Uh, there was actually, uh, a, a little while back, Bacardi, Bacardi Black Rum, uh, had a, a, a slogan that was that they were the taste of the night. If you drink us, you drink us at night, we're the taste of the night. And then their slogan was, some people embrace the night because the rules of the day don't apply. How about uh, Easy Spirit Shoe? They had a slogan, I don't wear Easy Spirit, but the, pulled this up as I was looking for some of this stuff. They promise a shoe that conforms to the foot so you don't have to conform to anything. That is a powerful shoe. Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren encourages living without boundaries. Neiman Marcus, they say when you shop in their store, relax. There's no rules here. How about Outback Steakhouse? No rules. Burger King, have it your way. Electronic Arts, which is a video game uh, company, says challenge everything. Or how about Las Vegas? What happens here stays here. 
The world is constantly telling you, don't worry about the rules, don't worry uh, about conforming to anything, be your own individual, stand for your own individual rights, uh, uh, do it your way. Don't let anybody tell you what to do, let alone a God of authority. And yet we, we see that, that God is doing something in his people. He's trying to literally conform them. I just want you to understand uh, uh, the big picture here. God, God wants you to be conformed into his image because when you're conformed into his image, you find true joy and happiness. You do. I'm telling you, I belong to all kinds of secular groups. There are some good people in those groups. Not all my bodybuilder buddies were bad. Some of them were great people. But the belonging there, or even for me, being a football guy, one of the things I miss about football more than anything else is, is, is the team camaraderie. You know, being in the locker room with the guys, fighting for a common goal. I know that doesn't relate for everybody, but it, it, it's something for me that, that, that has drawn me in to those things, but it's nothing, it's been nothing compared to being drawn into the community of believers. The peace that God brings when he takes you out of the ways of the world and brings you into a, a people group like we have here. You know, I celebrate the fact that, that, uh, that by God's grace, we are a multicultured, multi-generational church. I, I take back the cultured part a little bit. Most of you are very, very white. I'm not saying that to be racist. It's true. So we're not real cultured here in, 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 in our area, but we are multi-generational, which in a way is almost multicultural now. I mean, if you take a baby boomer and you put a millennial together, their cultures, they collide, do they not? They're unique. And so I celebrate, and it's also a difficulty to lead a church that comes at life from all kinds of different perspectives. Some of you have come from great means, and we're thankful you're here. Some of you have come from means with less, and we're thankful that you're here. Some of you are older, and you carry the wisdom of an older person. Some of you are younger, and you have the energy that a younger person has. And I'm thankful that God has brought us all together. And the only way that God can bring a, a, a group like this together is through the one commonality that we have, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the reality of the gospel that we are all sinners and we're saved by grace, by God's goodness. And I, the big picture of Exodus is let God move you out of the world's ways and into a better life. And so what is Moses doing here? Okay, remember now, we've had the instructions of the tabernacle were given. They've been brought out of Egypt, the, the instructions were given, and then you see the people, remember now, the people of their own free will gave to this, I keep saying temple, becomes a temple later, gives to this tabernacle, which is a tent. And it's built to be mobile, right? It, it, it can move, because the people are journeying. They're kind of nomadic at this point. God's moving them around, that they would encounter other nations, and that they would introduce who God is to these nations that need salvation. So this tent has been erected, it's been made. Now remember, the people free in free will, they've given to this temple, right? They've given gold, they've given linen, they've given all kinds of really neat things. This, is, this thing is expensive. It's, remember, remember I told you a few weeks uh, in a row here that the, the temple had about $65 million today dollars, uh, U.S. dollars of gold in the temple. And that all came from the free will offering of the people. So now this thing is, it has been erected, right? It's... It's whose temple? Everybody's invested into this thing. That's the joy of coming to church. It's to be your church, not my church, not the leadership's church. Your church, God's temple, we all contribute to it. When you contribute, you feel like you belong. 
And that's what God's trying to do. So, so what's Moses now doing? He's taking the instructions of the Lord, and he's setting up all the little details. You ever had a house party? Not in the last six months. But remember when we used to do house parties? Do you remember house parties? Does anyone remember them? They were fun. I miss those. So they go, you set up your house party, right? And, and if you come to our house, there's a good chance. You know, my wife does all kinds of little things to make sure the house is dialed in. I, I know uh, Jen Simpson, we have a community group at her house, and she enjoys just using her home to be open for God to gather. She also has shared with me that she uh, likes it because it forces her to clean the house, which Kevin celebrates too as well, right? Yep. Uh, so I used to love community group at our house because that meant the kids had to clean up. Now, we get it all dialed in. This is what Moses is doing. He's setting the wash basin where it needs to be. He, he's putting uh, the linens where they need to be. Moses is setting up this entire tabernacle basically by himself, and he's trying to dial it in because what's going to happen eventually is God's presence is going to fall down on this thing. So up to this point, there's, there's even been a little bit of distance between the people of God and the people of Moses. And, and so they're trying to finish this thing up. It's built uh, the, the, the walls are there, and now Moses is dialing it all in. He's got the showbread, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the bronze basin, the bronze altar of sacrifice, all of this. And now all that is left after all this is done, all that is left is for God to come and live with them. Okay, they're wanting more of God. We're here, we're waiting for the promised land, but before we get the promised land, we're waiting for God to fall down upon this place. We, we want God to, to show up. I mean, first of all, can we relate that today? When you come to church, do you come with an anticipation that God would show up here and speak to you and be with you? I mean, part of what makes church good is to actually position yourself in a way that you're worshiping God and saying, I'm here because I want and I'm anticipating that God will speak to me. Right? If you come and you're like, I hope for some good entertainment. Sorry, we don't have it. There's all kinds of other places you can get good entertainment. Right? We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to give you a good show. You got all kinds of, we, I can't, we can't compete with Hulu. They've got live sports. Okay, we can't compete with those things, but, but we're not supposed to compete with that stuff. We're supposed to bring to you the word of God and the presence of God that God would do something radically in you to fulfill his promises in you. Okay, so they're waiting. Now, I want you to understand something here that's really, really neat. They're anticipating God. I, I think this is really neat because if we were to go through all of the pieces of text in here, and we're not going to do that, but if you were to just kind of you know, peruse it and you look, there's the Ark of the Testimony. It comes in, but there's no presence of God. The lampstand is set there, this, this beautiful piece of gold, uh, and the presence of God still doesn't come. The curtains are set up, the presence of God still doesn't come. The altar of incense is set up, the presence of God doesn't come. The showbread, which is to show God's provision and fellowship, all, the whole house is set up, it's together, and God's presence doesn't come. And then finally, Moses steps outside of the tent. Once it's completed, God falls upon this place, and Moses isn't even allowed to enter it because it's so filled with God's holiness. Let me just share something with you real quick. Look at the text. There's, there's an interesting uh, kind of, um, you know, I'm not a Hebrew genius, but every now and then I read people who are Hebrew geniuses, which means that, that, that you know, this is written in Hebrew. It, that's its original language. It's got way more meaning than the English language. And sometimes, sometimes those who interpret uh, the scripture put things in there to try to help us make sense of what's being said, uh, but they sometimes get it wrong. And there's, there's this little interesting thing that happens in chapter 40, verse 34. 
Okay, the temple's been set up, showbread's been set up, the house has been set up, the party's about ready to get start started, and then the work has been finished, it says in verse 33. Now look at verse 34. In my text, which is the English Standard Version, says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. Okay, so if you're looking at it and you see that word then, just take a pen and cross it out. Because that's been added in the English to help translate from one paragraph to the next. But the way that it's actually written isn't then the cloud, it's that Moses finished the work and the cloud covered the tent. It's to be this immediate response to show us that God has been eager this entire time to fall upon the tent. So it's not, okay, Moses did all his work, and then he went outside, and they all waited, and they were looking. He said he'd be here at 10, but he's being fashionably late, so it's 1043. That's not what's happening. It, 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 God does, or Moses does this work, and then God is eager to fulfill the promise for his presence to fall upon this place. Here's what I want you to know this morning in the big picture of Exodus. God is eager. He is eager to bring us into his presence, my friends. He's not slack in fulfilling his promises, Second Peter tells us. All you have to do is act. I mean, if, if you knew my story, if you knew how God worked in my life, it's, a, it's, ama- it's an amazing story, really. I'm not saying that to, to pump me up, but, but literally, like I was not someone that anyone ever thought would be a pastor, let alone to have any kind of success in life. And some of you know that kid. You remember him? Wayne does. There was a broken kid. My fifth grade teacher heard me do a memorial service uh, one year. My fifth grade teacher, this was a few years back, and he said, if someone would have told me that was Jesse when he was young, I would have never thought it. I had a guy in the church when I went to the school of evangelism say, I'm not giving you my money to help you go to the school. I said, why? And he says, I don't think you're worthy investment. That really will pump you up, man. That'll get you going. That'll fire you up. And yet, and yet, when I went to this school, it was a six-month school. <laughs> I went from being basically a full-blown alcoholic, and then in six months, I was on staff at a church. How does that happen? Because God is eager. He's eager to bring us in. He wants to jump in with his people. He wants to jump in with you. He doesn't want to avoid you. He doesn't want to stay far from you. He doesn't want you to have to work for him. He, he wants you to know that if you call upon God right now, he's eager to be in relationship with you. He's eager to be involved in your kids' lives. He's eager to be involved in your family's lives. You know, in Galatians chapter 1.13, it tells us that Jesus was pleased to reveal himself to Paul. I mean, listen to this for a moment. Do you remember Paul? Do you remember who Paul is? Who Paul was? He actually tells us in Galatians, he says, you've heard of my former life. Just like what I said, you remember remember what it was like when I was drinking? Remember what it was like when I was partying? Well, he was different. He, his sin wasn't the sin of livaciousness and addiction. His sin was conservatism and, and, and rules and legalism. He, his former life in Judaism, he was, he was top-notch religious guy. Right? He, he, he was educated. He was looked up as, as a leader. He was the guy you looked to to get in connection with God and the knowledge of God and the Hebrew scriptures, and he persecuted the church. That's what he did. Because here's this guy who's like this staunch Hebrew. Yahweh is the only God, and he is the only God. But then Yahweh shows himself in Jesus. Jesus saves all of these Jews, and they become Christians. And, and, and Paul's like, that, 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 this is blasphemy. So he runs from place to place. These are his words. I persecuted the church of God violently. 
You know what Paul did? Every every single week, he got on his horse, he sharpened his sword, and with vitriol, he went out into the church to destroy it. He goes on and says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond my own age. He's saying, I was smarter than anybody. Even, Even at my age, I was smarter than the older guys. He goes on and says, I was so zealous for the traditions of my father. He, he's saying, I had this life, and I was doing well, and I was persecuting the church. We know he was murdering the church. He was killing Christians, which was an acceptable practice then. And then all of a sudden, do you remember, he's on this road. It's called the road to where? Damascus. And all of a sudden, while he's on his horse with his sharpened sword, with vitriol in his heart towards the Christian church, This bright light shines. Jesus reveals himself to Paul, changes his name from Saul to Paul, and asks him this question, why are you persecuting me? Not the church, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul says this, he says, even though in my vitriol, even though in my hate, even though I was trying to earn God's love through all of these good works, doing all the right things, it says in verse 16 that God was pleased to reveal his son to me. God was pleased to pounce on Paul. I love that. Because I'm in the business of now watching God pounce on his people. He might be pouncing on you right now. It's time to give your life to Christ. It's time to stop living according to the ways of Egypt and the world. Don't just have it your way, have it God's way. And then he goes on and says that not only did God pounce on me to save me, not only did did God reveal himself to me, he says, but he gave me a job that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So he's brought into God's presence, not just for his own selfish needs, but that then God would commission him to do the work of the ministry. I like how one pastor says it. He says, God, when he saves the eagerness of God, God to save, the eagerness of God to step in the brokenness of mankind, to heal and to fix. At nearly every point in our story, it is God who initiates, God who comes towards us, God who rescues us, God who saves us, God who delivers us, God who forgives us, God who extends mercy to us, God who provides for us. This is the same God who gave the people of Egypt water, food, divine protection, drove out their enemies. This is our eager God, and he's our God as well. Do you see God as eager? <laughs> I know it's hard. I mean, we're, we're trying to get out of this pandemic. We're trying to get back to whatever semblance of norm, normalcy will come. We're, we're trying to get away from all of the negative news and, and the negative indi- individuals and people around us, and, and we say, God, how much longer, how much longer? He's eager. He's waiting for us to turn our hearts to him. There's places in Scripture that say that if God, God's people will, will turn and repent from their ways, that, that he'll come and he'll heal their land. You know, the pandemic of, of our nation or of the world is not a pandemic of physical health or COVID-19. It's, it's a spiritual problem that all of us have. The real pandemic is, is, is the issue of sin which decays and, and separation from God which makes us lonely and sad. And yet this glorious God is eager to pounce into your life. Like Tigger. It's one of my favorite Disney characters. Right? You just see him pounce on Winnie the Pooh. That's a stupid example, but for the kids, they love it. Let me just talk to you a moment about not only is God eager, here's the deal. There's tensions that we need to carry, especially in the book of Exodus. God is eager. 
I mean, remember, remember, like the people of 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 the Hebrews, the Hebrew people, the in, in Egypt, they're not calling out to God. They're not necessarily even worshiping God. They've allowed, in fact, the gods of Egypt to penetrate into their own hearts. So they're not really in this deep relationship with God. It's not like God comes and goes, oh, look at how well you're doing, my Hebrew people. I'm going to save you. No, it's the opposite. And in the midst of, of them being separated from God, God is eager to lead them out. He initiates. He grabs a Moses. Uh, he, he gets helpers from Moses. And, and then he goes and he does all of these miracles. It's all God. It's been God. He's doing all of these great things. But here's the deal. God is eager, but God is also very, very holy. And he's very, very glorious. Which means that even though we know that God is eager, we have to hold intention that, that God wants to be in relationship with us, but we cannot be in the cloud or the presence of God unless, again, we admit that God is holy and we, we originally are not. I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 6, will be in this here in a, a couple weeks, he alone has immortality who dwells in his unapproachable light. And remember now, what's happening in this text is God's presence, the very cloud of God during the day. Right? You've got this presence of God. It's a theophany, which is just the physical presence of, of, of God falling down the Old Testament. Here's this cloud. It's coming down, and they can see it. They can probably feel it. I'm sure there's a, a feeling of presence and, and timidity here. And then at night, it was a fire. If you remember before, uh, in this moment, first of all, that, that God is is on the tabernacle, and it's so holy at this moment that Moses can't go in. There's just too much power in there right now. Too, too much magnificence in there right now. And, and then, if you remember earlier, before Moses got the Ten Commandments, God did this. You, you may not remember this because I didn't highlight it in Exodus 24 so much, but, but God says, Moses, come to the mountain, go to the top of the mountain, I'm going to give you some, some commandments and, and stuff and how you're going to be molded and shaped into the image of God, okay? So Moses comes to the mountain, and you know what God does? He says, not yet. Too holy, too great. You've got to prepare for six days down below. It takes six days before Moses is even allowed to go up this mountain. I mean, just think of mountains alone. We live in a beautiful place. When the smoke is on in the air, you can see mountains. Those of you who are like real locals, you can name them all. There's Castle Peak. There's Tinker's Knob. I remember being in school learning about Tinker's Knob. Does anybody know what Tinker's Knob is? It's actually a guy named Tinker, and it looks like his knob, his nose. Did you know that? See, I'm a true local. Psalms tells us that our God is so glorious and so magnificent, he's the one who established the mountains, and they're his. In one particular text in Psalms, it tells us that the mountains actually melt before God. Isaiah chapter 2 tells us that he established the highest mountains. He is is magnificent. The God of Exodus was made famous on that mountain through all, all of the people of the world that his name would be known. Do you recognize that, yes, God is eager, but God is holy, and he is glorious, and he should be treated as such? One commentary says the glory of the tabernacle is the climax of Exodus, but not the climax of redemption. See, the, the, the climax of Exodus is, is leading us towards the ultimate, the ultimate climax of all of Scripture, which is the revelation of God in Jesus. See, here in, the, in this particular passage of the tabernacle, it was only the first glimmerings of the glory of God that is prepared for us in Jesus. The book of Exodus, he says in this commentary, is really about the story of Jesus. 
Listen to how it connects. Jesus is the Moses of our salvation, the mediator for us who goes before God. Jesus is the lamb of our Passover, the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is our way out of Egypt, the deliverer who baptizes us in the sea of his grace. Jesus is our bread in the wilderness, the provider who gives us what we need for daily life. Jesus is our voice from the mountain, declaring his law for our lives. Jesus is the altar of our burning, though, through whom we offer praise to God. Jesus is the light on our lampstand, the source of our life and light. Jesus is the basin of our cleansing, the sanctifier of our souls. Jesus is our high priest who prays for us at the altar of incense. And Jesus is the blood on the mercy seat, the atonement that reconciles us to God. The great God of Exodus has saved us in Jesus. You know, ultimately, Exodus is pointing us towards this person. It's pointing us towards Jesus, the the saver of our souls, the sanctifier of our our souls. We are desperate for that. I mean, right now, our nation has never felt more lonely than before. 100% true. Right now, there's never been as much a lack of hope. I mean, at least for us. I'm sure the 20s were difficult during the, the... Depression, I'm sure there have been times during world wars that, that have been harder than where we're at, but this is, this is our time, right? We can't relate with those things. Maybe we can talk to grandma and grandpa about what that was like, but this is, this is our deal, you know? We're wrestling through. This is difficult, and, and it's filled with all kinds of craziness. I mean, I'm thankful personally that even though, even though I'm not the same kind of bodybuilder guy I was, I can still go to the gym here in Truckee, and there's hardly any, any restrictions. I just got to clean up after myself, which that should have been that way all along, right? And the individuals that are in there, you can tell there, there's a sense of it just feels good to be outside of my house getting some, some just exercise in. It feels good. Anybody else exercise? Yeah, I, that is far few too many. That you, we need to up that number. I'm going to change the message to physical health here, okay? Because we we need that that interaction. We need it. We're desperate for it, and people are desperate for it. And the reality is, is when we enter into the transcendence of God. That is the cloud of God, the the presence of God. It gives us a true understanding of the nature of this world so that we don't think like the rest of the world. Do you have anxiety? Do you have a lack of peace? Do you feel some kind of loneliness in your heart? I would argue that it's because the, the message of Egypt and the message of the world has prevailed in you. The just do it. The drink of the night. So here's the deal. Here's what you have to understand. This is what you have to realize because this is what we're combating against. We're combating against the fact that, that many of, his, uh, of us as Christians have conformed to the world and that we're okay with giving God an hour of our lives a week. We're here on a Sunday. You're here. Thank you for being here. But it's not going to cut it. Sundays alone are not sufficient. You've got to be people who are obedient to God. You've got to understand that God wants to be involved in your journey. So to tie it in with the text, look at verse 38. Very end, he was with Israel throughout all of their, what? Journeys. You know, God wants to be with you everywhere you go. This is a God who says, in this tabernacle, I exist, but I want to be with you. Can I read to you a passage from John 17, just how God wants to be with us? John chapter 17, verse 9, Jesus has this prayer. 
He's praying. This is God praying for his people. He says, I'm praying for him. Now notice what he says after this. I'm not praying for the world. Well, that's an interesting text. God's heart is bent towards those that are believers in a way that he, he's just not towards unbelievers. I'm praying for those whom you have given me, for the yours. All of mine is yours and all yours is mine and I am glorified in them. There's the glory of God and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you, God. Holy Father, keep them. That's you. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that is Judas, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is Jesus praying for his church. He's praying. He says, I want my joy to be in them. I want to be one with them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Church, we are in a season where we have to be okay with being hated. Do you understand that? We want people to come to Jesus, but the world is going to hate us. This is Jesus' prayer. The world will hate them. But he then goes on and says, listen, this is key. Verse 15 of John, it's so key in a season like this. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. What? But I want out of here. I don't want to live in COVID-19. I don't want, here it is again. I think this is week four. I'm, I don't want to be in California. I, I want out. What's Jesus' prayer? I don't ask that I take them out of the world. But here's what I do ask, that you keep them from the evil one. That's what matters. He goes on. For they, that's us, we are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. There's the commission. So, so God takes us out to bring us into himself to send us back out into the world. Do you capture it? Three parts to it. God wants to take you out of that old life. He wants to remove you from the sadness, the sin, and the depression, and the anxiety. And he wants to bring you into himself, into the cloud of God, into the presence of God. And then he wants to commission you into the world, not take you out of the world. Which means when we understand the gloriness of God, the gloriousness of God, Remember, right? He's eager to pounce. He's eager to come, but he's glorious and he wants to journey with us. And here's the deal. In order for the gloriousness of God to be with us, we have to recognize him as King Jesus. Amen? Here, here's the thing. God wants to be with you on your journey. He wants to be with you wherever you are, but he is not Uber. You cannot have it your way. There are rules in this steakhouse. And even that, you think about it, Outback says there's no rules. Yes, there is. You just can't walk in there and ask for raw lobster. It'd be unwise. And then what happens is, as he's the king of this journey, you're not, you're not engorging yourself on the ways of the world. You're not buying into the slogans of the world. And you're, not just, you're just not just removing yourself from the world. There's two ways to look at this for Christians this morning if you are saved by the grace of God. One is, my friends, you cannot be gluttonous on culture. You can't buy into the mantras. You can't buy into all the things that you're being fed by the world. But, but also, for some of you, you can't be culturally anorexic. You can't gorge on the world, but you can't be anorexic. What do I mean by that? You can't just remove yourself and hide in your home. That's not Christianity. 
You can't put your light under a bushel and hide it. You've got to declare it. It's one of the things that, that uh, and I'll be honest with you, when the pandemic first hit, we started talking about going outside, and we we're like, you know what? If we come outside, there's the, we got a very busy road here, and, and our town and our community is going to look at us, and they're going to judge us because we're not really doing the social distance thing like we should, or, or maybe we're not wearing masks like we should, and there's all these things. What do they think? What do they think? What do they think? And, and now I've come full circle to be like, I don't care. We've got to gather, we've got to sing, we've got to love Jesus, we've got to, we've got to hear the word, we've got to see one another's faces, we've got to see each other's smiles, we've got to see each other's tears, we've got to wrap our arms around each other, because the Bible does say, even though we're to practice social distancing, lay hands on one another, so that you can be healed. Did you know that that's what James teaches? If you're sick, go to the elders who will lay hands on you, that you will be healed. There ain't no social distancing there. It doesn't say, come, stand six feet apart because we're pretty sure that you're going to get someone spit on your face, and we don't want you to get... No, it says, come, have hands laid upon you, and that your faith would make you well. I'm not throwing out doctor's rules, by all means. Wayne's over here this morning, who, who's impacted because of COVID, and, and months after, after him being healed, he's still having a hard time breathing with the smoke in the air. So he's wearing a mask so he can breathe and be here. Wayne would rather have a mask on and be here than to not have a mask on and be at home. Can I extend that message to those of you who are online? I would rather you be here with a mask on sitting 600 feet off into the edge than to not have you here at all. But for you to be in the presence of God, hearing God, and I understand some of you aren't going to come no matter what, and that's okay. God's going to do whatever God needs to do in your life. But God wants to bring you out of your isolation. I had a gentleman come up to me a couple weeks ago. He said that he walked up to church it was the first time he'd been here in six months, and he just started crying. No one had even said a word yet. And there's just something about being in a group of people who are all in the same boat together. Is it not? Isn't it just a beautiful thing for us all to sit here and say, why are you here? Because I'm a sinner in need of God's salvation. Because I'm a sinner in need of God's health and, and, and goodness. I'm, I'm broken and I was lost, but he found me and he healed me. And I want to celebrate that. Or I feel broken and I want healing. Isn't it amazing to sit here and be, we're all in the same group. Does that give you comfort this morning? Well, here's something else I want you to see here. And I'm going to close with these thoughts and kind of tie a bow in all this. God's been completely consistent while his people in this book and so many other places in this book are just so inconsistent. He's faithful. And there's this little place here that's true today. And I want to say a couple things specifically because some of you have made remarks about some of my comments over the last few weeks. Um, Verse 36 says, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day it was taken up. So God wants to be in the journey, but here's the deal. God was in charge of the journey. So what literally was happening in, in Exodus is that the cloud would descend upon the temple, meaning God's presence is here. And then all of a sudden, God would decide for the people. The people would not decide for themselves. God would decide for the people, and he would show it's time to move. And the cloud of God would rise up, and the cloud of God would move to a new location, and then it would fall, and the people would be there until God's cloud told them otherwise. Now, I want you to take note of this because 
the cloud of God in the Old Testament, the fire of God in the Old Testament, is then translated in the New Testament as the Spirit of God. You see, the cloud of God in the Old Testament for believers is the Holy Spirit that God puts in you. You have the cloud. It's in you. Remember when Jesus prays in John 21? I want to be one with them as you and I are one. How does that happen? Because when Jesus ascended on high, Jesus then sent his Holy Spirit to the believers' lives. Do you remember? Do you remember this? It's just, just ride my little horse here for a little bit. Do you remember the, the story where, where in Acts, the disciples are walking with Jesus before his ascension, and they're walking with him, and, and what are they asking? They're asking about when's the kingdom going to come? They're on the road with Jesus. They're like, give me some eschatology. Huh? It, 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 the chip's going to be implanted. When? When's that going to happen? When's the rapture? When are we going to get sucked into the air? When's that going to happen? Jesus, could you tell us when these things are going to happen? Do you remember Jesus' response? You're not going to know. It's not for you to know. Forget about dates and times. You're not going to know. It's not for you to know what's secret for the Father. It's not, it's not for you to know. You know what you need to do? You need to go, and you need to go wait in a room, and you need to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do. And so they went and they waited. And if you remember in that story, God's Holy Spirit falls upon his people. And on the heels of that, Peter gets bold and he starts preaching the gospel. God brings all these other nations together under salvation. The Spirit of God comes. And here, here's what I want you to have as a takeaway from Exodus when God's leading you. And here's what I meant about some of my comments last specific weeks. We've had a lot of people move from the Truckee area. We've had a lot of people who are thinking about moving from the Truckee area. A lot of them in our church. Some of you are new because you moved away from your area. It's just a domino effect. Everybody thinks it's better somewhere else. And I know this is a beautiful place. I know there's other beautiful places in the world. And I just want to touch upon that because I've, I've said it every week, and a few of you are like, you know I'm trying to move. Quit picking on me. <laughs> I'm not picking on you. Here, here's, what I want, here's what I want to say to you, and hopefully it ties in to just wherever you're at in your walk because Jesus does want to journey with you. Never make a decision without the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I've heard a lot of people move because they're worried about vaccines. They're worried about homeschool education. They're worried about more liberal ruling in California. But you know what I want to hear? Jesus is calling us somewhere else to do the work of the ministry somewhere else. If you say that to me, how can I argue with you? But here's the thing. Unsatisfaction, without it being dealt with with the Lord, it always follows you. It always follows you. So I say to you, those of you who want to move, by all means, move. But don't do it without the cloud of the Lord. Don't do it without the fire of God. Don't do it on your own. You'll regret it. The reason I went to San Diego, because God's Spirit said you need to go. You know why Ali and I moved here to Truckee, California? From San Diego? Because the Spirit of God told us to. Some of you know that story. I told Wayne th at least three times, I'm not moving to Truckee. I like the beach. And then God, in the time of prayer, told Ali and I, that wisdom from above is peaceable, and he told us to come, and so we came, and we came, and he, even in that, even in that, we were like the people of Israel. Well, we got a five-year plan. 
I'm going to come for five years. We do youth ministry for five years. And I'm going to probably head back down south, and God's going to lead us somewhere else. And we're gonna... Well, five years has turned into 16. God's timetable is different. So as we close and we pray, and anybody who's in earshot, know that God is eager to be in a relationship with you. But he is a holy God that should be approached with honor and respect. And if you carry those things in tension, God will indeed journey with you wherever you go. But you have to acknowledge that you need the Holy Spirit. You need God to guide. You know what else that means? It means, my friends, some of you need to start listening to the promptings of God. So you're like, what is the prompting of God? Well, you know, you know that person that you saw walking in the store and you felt like God told you to talk to him, but you didn't? You know that conversation with that friend or that family member that you know you should have about Jesus, but, but you just haven't done it yet because you, you haven't had quite enough courage? You know that thing God's telling you to do, but you haven't done it yet? That's, that's the prompting of the Spirit that's listening to God. And, and here's where I think, especially with, with what Mick is doing and praying on Thursday nights, we need the wisdom of God's Spirit to lead us in this secular day and age. We need the presence of God's cloud to fall down upon us so that we can move forward knowing that he's always with us. And even in the bumps in the road, God is good in those bumps, yeah? He's been amazing in my journey of brokenness, and I share that wholeheartedly. I've had a lot of hurt, a lot of aches, a lot of pains, even the last few months. But I would not want to do it without God journeying with me. And I hope you don't either. Let's pray. Lord, as we leave this place, I say thank you that you are willing to engage us, that you're willing to guide your people. Lord, thank you for this book that that shows us that the physical journey of Exodus is a spiritual journey for us. Lord, in in your heart, you desire to take take us out of our slavery and our loneliness and our brokenness and our sin to forgive us through the grace of your cross, to bring us into a correct and right and peaceful and beautiful relationship with your son. As I prayed with our elders this morning for salvation, I pray again for salvation, Lord. I pray that anyone who is here this morning who has not yet yielded to you would do so now. And if they're in their mind and their heart and they're wondering, what does it look like? What, what does it mean? What does that look like to... Give my life to Jesus. It just simply means that you confess with your mouth that you're no longer wanting to live life alone. That in your heart you pray unto the Lord and you say, God, I want you to journey with me. And you make him the Lord of your life. You receive his forgiveness and his mercy. You allow him to journey with you, to guide you and to teach you. And you fall more in love with him than the message of the world. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our community. May your cloud be truly present among us, Lord. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Will you guys stand with us as we sing this last song? We're going to be singing Living Hope, if you want to look at the words. How great the chasm 
great week, you guys. Amen.